1: we want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey.
0: Hi guys, welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. Today we are discussing a topic that's so important but often ignored. Uh, Boundaries. Boundaries is the topic.
1: Yes, so whether it's drawing boundaries to give yourself space to write or to not let your creative life become all-consuming, it's a very delicate balance and we're going to get into it today. But before our topic
0: we're going to talk about our weeks for what we call Adventures in Screenwriting. Lorian, how was your
1: week? Uh, my week was, uh, I sort of, uh, God, I don't know. Uh, nothing tragic or bad happened, but I had one of those weeks where I just hit a wall. Um, I'm just so tired, um, and I've... F- I find it ironic or funny or whatever that we're talking about boundaries because like, I don't know how to do boundaries. <laughs> and that's what happened this week is that I, uh, I just feel like I'm sort of expending energy in terms of every interaction I have. And I'm not, nobody's filling my bucket. I don't know how to ask for what I need to fill my bucket. I don't know how to draw those boundaries to carve out the space with other people but also with my own time too. Um, I don't know how to rest. You know, when, you, when you're when you working out, they say like, work out this many days and then you have to have a rest day. And I think that's really hard to do, um, but it's even harder for me. My whole life, I feel like I've been in this grind about get the A, get perfect attendance, be the best, be productive. And when I'm not, I feel like such a failure and that's what happened this week that I just couldn't anymore. I just like, I spent two days in bed reading a book, you know, like, And I, I guess I needed it, um, but I feel so bad about it. And honestly, I'm also just, I'm tired of feeling bad. And what I'd like to start being able to do is recognize this before it happens, like to start to understand or just like have a schedule for myself, like, Today, I'm not going to feel bad about reading a book. I'm not going to feel guilty about not actually producing something today because this is part of the process. And, you know, I just delivered a big script, you know, and I sort of the release of that is always a big sort of like, exhale. And I wasn't paying attention. I've done this before. I delivered a huge script that I've been like churning on. And then I was like, great. Now I'm going to jump right into this next thing. And I just was like, oh, I cried for a week. (laughs) You know, like I, I, I need that time, that exhale. And I didn't give it to myself because I'm great. I'm a motor. I can keep running forever. And I just, I can't. Part of it too, what I'm thinking about is in Los Angeles, we're starting to open back up
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also the opening up and suddenly it's taking a lot of work to be in the world again Yeah, because we're
1: not used to it. And just the thought of it too, like I'm going to have to have lunch with people again. How do you do that? How do you get dressed and drive somewhere and then be with someone in person? And how do I navigate all that? And the sort of pressure and the fear, you know, I just figured out how to complain about this. Like now I'm gonna have a whole bunch of new <laughs> things to complain about. It's like a whole different mindset, you know? Uh, so I know I'm rambling. I'm I'm excited that I didn't cry. I might cry later in the episode, just as a heads up. And again, like nothing significant happened. I just You're tired. I'm so tired. Yeah, it's so
0: funny. Your brain is like looking for a reason yeah. to explain why you feel this way. And it's just you're tired.
1: There and I it's go. Okay to now I'm, tired. now tired. I'm crying. I'm really tired. You're,
0: it's all, you're allowed to be tired. And I also think often when you're a mom at the same time, you're not allowed to be tired because moms are supposed to be superhero. I mean, I love mother's day, but I also kind of like, you know, we also cannot be exactly. great. And we're allowed to not be superheroes. Like we need to make mistakes and be tired. And, um and that is, it is catching it before, before it hits, but who, who can do that? You know, I mean, it yeah. hits. Here's where you are. This is where you are today. You're tired. This is,
1: this is where I am today. And I'm really struggling, like with all the voices in my head, like I didn't do much this week. Right. And the the part where I took care of myself doesn't seem to qualify somehow as getting something done, as being productive. I mean, that but you piece gotta think of about our culture. Like
0: well, but you felt you filled up your well this week. You know, you can go digging down there for water and just go and go and go, or you can like read a book and let it fill back up. Right. That's super important.
1: I Um, love reading so much and I'm just not doing it anymore. And I just devoured this book and uh, I actually read three books this week.
0: (laughs) Awesome. You know, I find that reading fiction is super important for me. I have to carve out time every day to read because it's filling my tank. not necessarily about what I'm reading specifically, but just the act of imagining somebody else's story. And I'm a huge book lover too. So three books in a week is amazing.
1: And this, it was a series and you know, I love uh, fantasy fiction and uh, it was like a masterclass in voice and world building. So um, it was called the fifth season. And I forget the author's name. Uh, She's just a brilliant writer. And, uh, but it was super inspiring too. Like, because it was like, oh, this voice is so clear. So, you know, it's told in multiple right. voices, multiple narratives, but like, I just felt so taken care of by the author, right. you know, like this author knows the story. So I'm just along for the ride. So I just, and I, I yearn for that in my own writing, That like, I can say to the audience, like I have you like, right. All the ways that we're supposed to do that voice, structure, character, you know, but it was just, and the world building was just uh, phenomenal. Oh, Jeff just, uh, Jess just let us know that it's N.K. Jemison is the author of the books I just read. Uh, highly recommend it in terms of world building. Uh, and of course, if you like fantasy, it was really fun. Yeah. So anyway. Awesome. So, Meg, how was your week?
0: <laughs> well, I broke my toe this morning. Uh, because I'm not in my body I'm so busy running around doing a million things that I am not in my body and this happens to me sometimes once it got so bad I almost electrocuted myself plugging in my electric car at the time which Um, is
1: a hilarious story that we actually put in a script Meg if you remember someday (laughs) we will
0: tell that story but back then my kid who at the time was I think Nine or ten sat down with me as I was trembling because I was like, Oh my god, that electric bolt went through my body. I almost killed myself in front of my kids. What kind of a bad mother would that be? Um, and my kid sat down next to me and he was like, Mama, I think just sometimes you do too much. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm back there. I didn't elect cute myself this time, but I did break my toe this morning. I'm sorry. Um So uh, my week was great because I joined the Screenwriting Life Sprint Group, uh, which is, if you want to know about it, you can find it on the Facebook page. So I was writing at 6 a.m. or 5 p.m. or some days both on my passion project. So off my regular writing hours. And I wrote with Hannah and Emily and Richard and Susanna and Youssef and RLE R- R- and John and Amanda and GMT time and Lori and Jose. And I know, I feel like um that old uh, preschool show that they would say, but I, but I really like, I I just love seeing their names every morning and they were like, okay, who's got their coffee and who's gonna do what? And Jeff was on there and, you know, it's just, it really is helpful to, and it also gets me out of bed because I'm like, well, if Hannah's gonna be there, I'm gonna be there, right? Or, well, Susanna's gonna write at five, so- I could write at five for an hour. So I really um, enjoyed it. Um, You know, there's little discussions happening there too, in terms of like today, Jeff was talking to one of the writers about when you're doing a barf draft or a birth draft as Deborah coined on the Facebook page, which is so amazing. If you're doing your birth draft, you know, there was this fear of the trails branching off until finally you're lost in the woods. And just, you know, Jeff was amazing in talking her through that in terms of, You know, you really can't get lost because you have your other, your other stuff. I do want to say to that when you're doing your birth draft or barf draft, if you, if you do hit a trail and you're like, oh my God, this is it. And you feel so passionate about it. You should write to the end, I think, to see if it holds. But sometimes I do jump back to the beginning and just take another barf draft of that version. If it's huge, like different main character or whatever, like, you know, there are no rules. It's just whatever passionately you feel the most excited about. Um, And I found that sprinting on my passion project was great because I have all these tangles in it. I'm adapting a book and uh, the tangles are quite snarly. And what I'm realizing is I need more than an hour or even two, because it's taking me an hour or two to get into the snarl, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm just starting to see it and see the path and I'm like, I gotta go to work. So I think I'm gonna have to do some weekend writing so that I can get a long runway here, right? So I loved sprinting, but now I've hit a point where I'm like, okay, I've gotta i have gotta have more time to unsnarl this section. Um,
1: how so, is the sprinting working? Like you guys, I mean, I've shown up there and then I'm like, hey, saying hi, not doing this too early, bye. So how does it work? It's really
0: fun. I mean, you get on every, some people say what they're going to do. Some people don't, it's totally up to you. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit right now to writing either this long or I'm working on this, right? And then you do a check-in. Uh, when I sprint with Hannah in the mornings, she always checks in 50 minutes later and it's like, how'd you do? okay everybody take a break I'm pee break coffee break keep going or I'm taking a break I'm running outside and then we go again and then you all because you know gotta get and then you go for another hour Um, some people keep going some people don't so uh, again it's just a community way to kind of keep to your commitment Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing I did this week was talk to Jeff Graham the amazing Jeff Graham about his script (gasps)
1: The script he's writing and directing.
0: Yes, that he's going to shoot in August. Always incredibly daring to give somebody a script for notes when you're in prep (laughs) and you're casting. I will admit I twisted his arm and I was like, hey, Jeff, want me to read that script for you? And I was
2: so grateful because Meg, what you did so beautifully and elegantly was you were like, hey, I'd love to read it. And I promise I won't break it. Like I will give you like pre-production notes that will help you. And it's such a, pristine example of on this show talking about finding the right people to give you notes at the right time. And Meg, I'm just so grateful. It was such a productive hour with you.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I mean, yeah, you got to be careful. You guys, you know, where is the person in their process? Someone in prep. There's you know, I didn't need to give him blow up notes to be honest with you, but if I did, I wouldn't have, because he's in prep, he's casting. Like you have to, we did a deep dive. Don't get me wrong, but it was very surgical. It was literally like, let's go to this scene this moment that they're having this conversation, let's look at this dialogue. What is actually going on here? I'm not fully getting it. I think there's a lot more layers under here. Let's take a look. And then when we kind of went under those layers, suddenly all the little page notes I had started to, to pass back to one thing. Interesting. And it was really interesting because you know, Jeff's an incredible writer, his dialogue was amazing, but there were these sections at a part of the script later where suddenly the characters weren't speaking like themselves. And and you would say as a judgment or a critique, well, that's not great dialogue, but it, I know he can write dialogue. So sometimes when I'm reading a script, I'm like, what's happening here? What's happening here that this person who can write great dialogue is not writing great dialogue. Something is off underneath. So this isn't a dialogue skill that there's a story block or there's a mental block or the 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 writer is starting to leave emotionally the scene or they're trying to intellectually do it or there's a million reasons, right? Yeah. I thought it was so interesting, Jeff, the way really, I had one plot question in terms of a specific thing, like what's motivating this and everything else was really nitty-pitty things, but it all trailed back to a thematic,
2: emotional lava question, right? It, it was so that so sounds
1: good. really fun for you, Jeff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, I feel lucky because like I came in, I told Meg right when we started the meeting, I was like, just so you know, like my lizard brain is activated. Um, I'm going to do my best to just sit here and listen. Um, but if you find the right person to give you notes, it can be a really beautiful, productive experience. And the thing is, I know we've talked about it on the show, but I think a lot of times as writers, we know the notes we're going to get, you know, we just need someone else to kind of give them to us and help clear them up. And it's really kind of the main relationship in the movie just needs to be a little more richly explored. And Meg and I realized I had a break that I'm just a little f- afraid to do it. I'm a little freaked out. And, um, you know, I'll share it because I think we're a vulnerable yeah. podcast. Um, but the, but a couple of you attended my table read, so you know what the feature is about. But it's kind of a millennial big chill. It's... um. A group of high school graduates um reconciling and kind of coming to terms with their friend's death and they learned that the circumstances under which she died are not at all what they expected and um uh, i have a friend who died under pretty challenging circumstances about three years ago and um you know i think when someone dies in a way that's considered foul play you know i think that's what sometimes they'll call it and you know the news or a coroner's report or whatever it can be easy to do one of two things. It can be easy to either villainize that person and really simplify the way they died in a negative way or really deify that person and really kind of put them on a pedestal and erase the hard stuff that may have led to what happened. And I think in the current version of the script, the character who dies is really on a pedestal right now. She's very deified and she's just not, she's not tricky like she needs to be. And it's because I'm afraid I think um, to, sorry. (laughs) This is the lava we talk about but i think i'm afraid to kind of tell the truth um so it's good i'm actually excited to get back into it um because i know it's gonna make the story so much better and i think the truth is when we allow that and kind of get vulnerable we're actually honoring them so much more you know i know i'm gonna be honoring her so much more by getting into the stuff that made it hard um i'm fine sorry
0: (laughs) it's it's okay because it's lava so it's here it comes it's coming up right and You know, so often when something happens and it feels so fiery, our brain wants to protect us by fixing it, right? Mm -hmm. And when we write, that fixing suddenly dampens it down. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's so normal. It happens to everybody. I can't tell you how many times when I'm a consultant or helping a friend, I finally reach a point where in talking to them and, 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 and having a conversation with them, I realize, oh, honey, you're doing to your main character what your theme is, the opposite of your theme, right? Like the, the beautiful theme of allow people to be who they are, their messy selves, but you're not allowing her to be her messy self.
2: That's exactly right.
0: And it's so funny because there's this innate spiritual creative force need to speak this truth, but then some other part of you is so afraid of that truth that it starts making flat characters in places that it's bubbling too close or deifying them. You know, it's really tricky. Now, sometimes you don't know that until you're many drafts in, right? Because you don't know. At the beginning, you don't know. And you're not supposed to know. It's supposed to be this raw experience, but it's just continually coming back. That's why we give things to people to read because I could see it so clearly because it's not my lava. (laughs) Like Jeff could read my script and be like, Hey Meg, let's talk about this because I can't see my own lava or it's so fiery that some part of my brain is like, it's blind. It goes blind because it doesn't want to, it feels, it feels so threatening. Right.
2: Yeah. And I I think to a certain extent, like what you're saying is so important, Meg, because we write what we want to learn ourselves. We write the journeys that we want to take. And so this character is trying to come to terms with the journey of telling the truth and being vulnerable, but I'm still afraid to do it. So I'm trying to work it out in this script. And the, like you just said, the themes and the lessons and the, the beautiful, messy life I'm trying to embrace and show in these characters, I'm afraid to do myself.
0: Just for these two characters. You did it with yeah. all the other characters, which is why I know it's not a skill thing. Like right. sometimes when you're an emerging writer, it takes great technical craft skill sometimes to know to get it up and out. Not always, sometimes just a good birth, you know, barf or birth. There, there's our new word. We couldn't kind of put barf and birth together. Our new birth draft. Sometimes it does just come up beautifully, right? but you have all this craft. So I knew it wasn't that I didn't have to have that conversation with you. Right. In terms of showing you some craft ways to get the lava up and blah, blah, blah. It was literally just in this section, right. Which of course seeds back all the way to the beginning. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll turn little screws in places and other scenes. Again, it's not blowing anything up. It's just well, how did she get that, or whatever, right? Like, let's think about the motivation because she's in relationship to this girl, and you've deified. Like, it all started to find this channel, right? That I really think, and I think you felt this way by the end, is going to just enrich, deepen what you already have that's so good. But that you know, as a director, better to do it now, yes, because those actors are going to ask about it. Mm-hmm. And they are going to push you, right? And better to do it now in your private space and go into the lava and do it on the page than on set with a crew standing around you Mm -hmm. and TikTok the ADs watching. That might be great in terms of like, just pop the zit and here we go because you don't have a choice, (laughs) right? Sometimes I felt that's how it was at Pixar. You're like, no time, just do it, right? Yeah. Uh, but let, let's not do that to you, Jeff. Let's, right,
2: not for my first outing. Yeah, not for your
0: first outing. Do it right now. you yeah. know, and that's why I love directors who push me as a writer because they know that this we got to do it now on the page, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, you were incredibly brave, and you were very open, and I I could see that you saw it too, mm-hmm. right? You didn't go blind like you stood there and were like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk into this lava. So I was super. Can I say proud or is that condescending? No, no, no. no. I I love
2: and either of you can tell me you're proud whenever you want and it will make my day. I I was so
0: proud of you. I I was proud of you because your script was so good. But I was also proud that when I poked the soft spot, you were like, Okay, yeah, let's go in. Okay, let's do this.
2: I had Meg. If I have Meg or Laurie on the line, especially because both of you are such sharp emotional writers, I think like that's, and I'm proud of that for our show. I think there are a lot of good shows that really focus on specific craft elements, but all of our reviews talk about how our show really gets into the heart of writing, which is telling emotional truths. And if I either have any of your brains for any time, I'm not going to push back because I know even if it's hard, you two are like, speaking of deifying, I don't want to overdo it, but it's just... It was a beautiful meeting and I'm, I'm I'm excited to dive back in. I'm letting myself be grumpy about notes for a little bit and then I'm going to have fun diving back in.
1: Yeah, I I, I uh, caution you against deifying because, you know, of how messy I am, generally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're emotional. I thought it was interesting, uh, Jeff, like thank you for sharing all that and your emotional experience. And then you were sort of getting emotional and you're like, I'm fine. And I feel like that's <laughs> such a... Uh, interesting part of the conversation about boundaries is our need to make other people feel okay with our, when we do start to touch on that stuff, which is, I know it's protective and I've been really resisting it this week and sort of letting myself to sort of blast apart, disassemble, whatever it is. Because the, the urge is to say, I'm fine. I'm fine, everybody. And to keep holding that grip on in order to not fall apart. And I mean, you're, you, we're doing the show. It's appropriate, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not calling you out in any way. I'm just noticing no, good. culturally how we do that so quickly and easily. And it's, it's about reassuring ourselves too, right? I can handle this. I'm in control. When such a big part about writing is... Letting go of that control, telling those emotional stories is, you know, jumping into the lava or jumping into the lake or jumping in the ocean, whatever it is, is like, you have to trust that you're going to be able to breathe under there. And so much of it is not saying, not gripping that, like, I'm fine place.
0: Well, it's so interesting. I was thinking about that today or sometime this week where, you know, a lot of us become writers, I think, because we had an experience in our life, our childhood, wherever, that Either that we want to create a world where our truth can be spoken, where how we saw it can be acknowledged and seen, and somebody can come in this world with us. And in a way, then that works against us. Like the very thing that brought us to writing, right? Which is creating a world and characters that can exp- express the way I see it and how it happened to me, or how you know that I'm not invisible, right, or whatever, right? But you can't fix it either. (laughs) Like you can't make it so um, the way you want it, right? The way you wanted it to be versus the way it was. And those are the deep artists who are not trying to fix their life through the writing, make it better, make it as it was supposed to be, the way they wish it could be. They're talking about the way it was because that's where the beauty is right that's where the human connection is that's where the human condition is this is how it was this is how it is whatever if it's happening now past and it's fiction too but you know what i mean all that fiction is Mm -hmm. just your own metaphor of your own life coming up right and that is the trick that's the writing that starts to stand out because the bravery to not use the writing as a bomb as a drug to go to sleep but to uh, as one to wake up uh is the trick of it. And you could do that again in any genre, any tone, but, um, and it does take boundaries to do that because A, it can take time. Like I'm talking about with these sprints that I need more time because I'm just starting to get into the lava. It takes my brain a good hour and a half to get in there and get past all the, this doesn't work. I don't know why I'm doing this. Nobody's going to buy this. This is the, blah, 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 blah. It takes me an hour and a half of noodling to go like, okay, I'm in and it's getting hot. And it's right. And I, it takes boundaries to say, okay, you know what, this weekend I have to do it because uh, I may not be able to do that art class I was going to do or whatever, or to go to that party or whatever it is. Because I am going to need this time to sit in it and be uncomfortable or I need this time to do it. And then you know what else I'm going to need? I'm going to need a good friendship uh, session with somebody after to make sure that I'm okay. Right. So, you know, boundaries are there to protect us for that incredible artistic process that we need to go through. And it's super important. You, do, you can't be fine. Right. You can't, it's going to be a place of, You know, it's like going into the sweat lodge or whatever. You have to allow the boundaries to create the space to be safe, to go to those places. Um, You know, so let's start talking about boundaries. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I just want to say off the top what boundaries give us if we are brave enough to do it. And then we can talk about why we don't. (laughs) Because (laughs) I also have problems with boundaries. (laughs) Boundaries give you self-esteem right? They're going to give you confidence because you're important enough to yourself to create a boundary. They're going to give you emotional energy because you're not giving it out when you don't have any or you need to be giving it to yourself. So they create energy. They're going to create clear priorities because you're setting a boundary. So that you're saying to the world, this is my priority. And that might upset some people, especially if you usually don't do that.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. which is incredibly brave in order Super to be to start just, doing, to prioritize your own needs as mattering in equal measure as other people's. Yes,
0: that you're saying to people, I am a priority. Even just saying that word makes me feel a little wiggly, right? Um, you're gonna gather independence, right? Cause you're creating a space for you to grow, right? An agency, it will create agency. The more boundaries you can put down for yourself, the more you're using your own agency, the more you're gonna see if, wow, not only am I learning to put boundaries down, but oh my God, I'm actually creating my life all over the place. Like the more you do it, the more you're gonna see how much agency you actually have, which starts to create you understanding the power that you have, which is gonna to lead to a whole other level and a whole other show that we could do about why are you afraid of your power? But let's not go there today. Let's go back to boundaries. So those are some of the amazing things that can happen when you start putting boundaries down, right? but we don't,
1: (laughs) Right, we don't. It sounds so so magical when you talk about it. Like, yeah, I'm going to do all those things. But then because I don't think we under, we haven't been trained how to do those things. We haven't been given solid examples. Some of us haven't been given examples about how to do that. So it's like, yes, I would like to have all those things, self-esteem, emotional energy, confidence. But it also feels like I have to have those things to begin with in order to lay down boundaries. It is. it feels- You got to so, fake it. You yeah. may not
0: have, you know, self-esteem, uh, emotional energy. Uh, make yourself a priority. You fake it, man, at the
1: beginning right. because
0: right. that that's fine. Fake it enough to put the boundary down. Right now, fake yeah. it, fake all of it. It's like um,
1: exercise. I love exercise, and then making yourself do it, and then eventually, you might not love it, but you tolerate it. So you know, it's it's that that fake it to your make it thing. It Absolutely. is fake
0: it to make it, and you know, so you know, we give our boundaries away um something somebody said to me that i just want to start off with that i thought was really stuck with me is saying no to one thing is saying yes to something else there is always a no and a yes by the way it's just that we're much more comfortable with ourselves being the no and every time you're going to say yes or no to something i want you to immediately think what is the no because that's what's happening and usually it's yes for someone else and no to yourself Right? So the other reason I think we can't do it is because we're trying to be nice, <laughs> which is a disease, especially for women, of being nice. Mm-hmm. And I think underneath that is we don't hold ourselves in value equally. Talk forget about prioritizing. We don't even there's some value equation that's not happening, right? So the way that you do get boundaries is you just have to start by being aware. Right. Of when they're coming up and when you're making that choice, because I think a lot of times I'm not even aware that I'm not making a boundary. I'm not even aware of it. So let's just start there uh, together. Just start that. Just start slow. Walk into this water slow. Are you, is it time to make a boundary or not? And remember that boundaries are based on need. Because you do have needs. You do. And there are a set of needs that are not negotiable. They're just not. They are your needs. And often we have this fear of our needs not being met. So it's easier to not have the need. It's easier to pretend we don't have it because we're so afraid of it's not going to be met. But I want you to think about the person who's not meeting the need. The first person who's not
1: meeting the need is you because you're not putting down the boundary. It could also be the expectation right. uh, and the dread that people aren't like blanket people aren't going to meet your needs so why bother asking when in fact the person that you're asking is prepared to meet your need but you're so caught up in a system of i'm speaking from personal experience okay no, it's not you it's so me many it's you know i sort of expect like i have to do it myself i'm not going to ask anybody because they're not going to come through for me which goes all the way back to you know little me um and you know I just have to be, I just have to ask for what I want. Uh, A lot of times, we'll figure out what it is, ask. And then my needs can be met. I'm just, I just cringe up with this dread about the battle about getting my needs met when a lot of times it isn't there, right? It's this baggage I'm hauling around with me. It's old, it's
0: past, it's past tapes. Yes. It's past tapes of your value and your need and your priority. And the only way you break that tape And this is literally like neuroscience. The only way you burn a new boundary is the experience of it. Your brain only knows what it experiences. So if you start asking and forget about asking, setting boundaries. Yeah, right. See, even the way you talk about it, even the way you talk about it is you're handing the power to the other person. Yes.
1: It's, I need it's, will you give me
0: this? Will you allow this? It's a non-negotiable need. Right which terrifies me. What does that even mean? (laughs) Okay. The first person in the non-negotiable need who has to believe it is you. It's self-trust and your self-trust and my self-trust has probably been broken so many times that the person we don't think will meet our needs is us.
1: Which proved this week. I just did not, I wasn't able to meet my own needs. Um, which was I needed to rest. It's just that easy. Like I just needed to chill and for so a few you days. what
0: you did is you built trust inside of yourself. You became trustworthy to yourself because you can now rely on that part of you that you will do that, right? So need creates a hunger, right? And you haven't been feeding that part of that hunger. So what happens to it? What happens to that need? Right? I think a lot, you know, a lot of things happen in your body, right? So, you know, how can you start feeding that hunger and that need? The other thing to remember is that oftentimes shame comes because we cross our own boundaries. We set a boundary and we don't meet them or we don't set them or worse, we cross them with another person. Right. And that's when the shame, so shame is a good, uh, is there, can be there to tell you, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I crossed my own boundary. The other way you can find your boundaries is they do begin in your body because your body is ancient and knows much more than your smarty pants head. It's an animal. It knows about need and want and hunger. Um, Your boundaries and your physical and emotional boundaries were often set in your head as a kid. So if those boundaries were compromised in childhood, you've kind of sacrifice joy and happiness because in your head they kind of sometimes can get cross wired so they feel threatening right so this this cross wire these wires can be crossed in your head about what a boundary means you have to uncouple them and the only way to uncouple it is to try it and find out what happens and that you know, this happened a lot in my marriage is I would just assume my husband wouldn't do it or that he'd get mad or whatever. But in fact, he'd be like, oh yeah, sure. Or he'd be like, you know, I can't do that, but can we do this? And my poor
1: little brain was like, what's happening? Right. Why yes, is this that, not, work? Why is this not that, working out the way I think it's going to work out? The dread, right? That you're bracing yourself for disappointment and the battle. And then, and then it doesn't come, but it's so hard to learn. Oh, this person I've been with for 20 years might actually care about my needs <laughs> and why, right, right. and I can, you know, I can carve out some boundaries. You and know, here's I, the thing.
0: If you find out now, we're not talking about marriage now, but if you find out a friend continually does not respect boundaries that you set, you have to think about that. And what is that friendship based on? Is it based on how much you give? Right. And right. that's okay. Cause friends can come and go in your life right? And sometimes friends come into your life to a certain development for both of you. And then you either don't talk too much or it didn't work out or whatever. Like you, it's okay. You, you're in charge of your own life and who is in your life, right? So the other thing I just want to stay on in terms of need, you know, we talk about this in scripts, right? So think about this. If you're creating a character who has needs. You need to know your own needs. You need to know what that feels like and wants, characters who have wants, right? Needs and wants and yearnings, that's all the stuff why we have to create that create the boundaries, right? But we sometimes often we've been conditioned not to listen to them. So you we actually don't even know who you are then. Like, how do, you, how do you set a boundary without having that center of wanting? Because the want creates the boundary. I know you guys can all think of some time in your life when you wanted something so bad, the passion, the fire for it. You set all kinds of boundaries. I know you did. I know you did. So think about that. If you're thinking about boundaries and why, we'll go back to your passion and how bad you want it, whether it will quote unquote succeed or not, it doesn't matter whether, and I'm talking to myself right now in my passion project, whether anybody's going to buy it or not, it doesn't matter. Set the boundaries because that is part of your growth. That's part of your reason for being on this planet, that passion that's coming up. We don't have to know where it's gonna go. We don't have to know what it's going to become in the world. We just have to set the boundary and let it come up and let it be what it needs to be. So start feeling your cravings, okay? And if you get resistance inside of yourself, okay, be where you are. I'm resisting this. This is freaking scary. Come on the sprint and talk to us about it. (laughs) Or talk to your friend, whatever. This doesn't feel acceptable. You know, go get a... A, a journal and start letting that voice, write. Let it write to you. Let it say all of the horrible crap it's saying to you because that's not you. I don't know who the hell it is, but it isn't you. Let it write out and let it get out and then be like, bye. Thank you. You had your say, go back to the writing because I have to carve out space for myself. And, you know, sometimes it takes getting really quiet. And I think this is why I stay so busy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. It's why I'm so busy. I broke my toe today. Because when I get super quiet, oh, the lava comes or the doubt comes or the, right, that it starts to come up. But sometimes here's the trick. You don't want to get quiet because you don't want the doubt to come up and you don't want the lava to come, but your soul might be very quiet. That need, that want might be quiet. It might be whispering. So try to, you know, sometimes the way I, When I was, I had a really tough time in my life once. And what I did is I did morning pages, but at night in the dark. So, because that's how vulnerable I felt. I literally took a piece of paper and a pen and I wrote my question across the top. I couldn't see the paper, by the way. I couldn't see what I was writing. And I said, and I just let a part of me answer it. And it, it talked to me that part of myself, that higher part, where it was, I don't believe in angels, but maybe it was an angel, who cares? Some part of me spoke to me and and the main message was stay in the boat. It's super rocky right now. It's super scary, stay in the boat, stay in the boat. And I carry that as kind of stay in the boat, just stay in the boat, right? I don't know where that came from, but we are all imaginative beings. That's why you're a writer. Harness that for good. You've already learned and harnessed it for bad beating yourself up, imagining all the horrible crap that's gonna happen, start training the brain to harness it for good, right? I don't mean becoming, you know, oh, I'm gonna win an Academy Award. That's super fun too, by the way. (laughs) But I mean, like, imagine that that part of you, that imagination can speak to you and tell you what you need. Let it tell you what you want. Let it tell you what you need. Let it start to find ways to put up boundaries, right? Because when you put up a boundary, of course, it does. There is a risk because yeah. you don't know how other people are going to react if they're going to respect it or not. They might be shocked. It can feel bumpy to put up a boundary, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the reason I came up with this topic, right? That yeah. that I you know got sick the last time we were supposed to do this, and you broke your toe, this and you were time. like, oh my god, we don't have to do it. Oh my yeah, god, I was like, can you we your do toe? Let's not do it. Is because I was so excited and proud of myself. An opportunity came to me that I didn't want, but I felt like I should take, right? Because it, you know, that sort of writer desperation. The, you know, my God, I need. And I said no, you know, in a nice or in a kind, generous way. Um, And I just felt so proud of myself that I said no because that's going to leave room for the things that I do want, but. I felt so proud. I was like, Hey, let's talk about boundaries. And then I just got really scared. What if that person will never ask me again? What, you know, all the fears and it made me super scared and vulnerable because I don't know what's going to happen in the future around that. No. Right. You know
0: what someone said to me once, which I just try to hold on to, let them take care of how it feels for them. Yes. That's their uh, business.
1: And like you said, though, I'm a storyteller. <laughs> so in the so absence thinking of, of information,
0: stories, there is no I start to spin. Know. You don't yeah, know right. how that, that feels for them. Because here's the thing. Most people in the business get nos all day long. Right. When I was an executive, people said no to me all day. And every once in a while, I'd get a yes. So if a writer is unavailable, I just want them more. That's the truth. Oh my God, they're doing other things. They're, they're too yeah. busy for me. What are they doing? Who are they working with?
2: Right? I also yeah. think, so- Meg, too, it yeah, shows it shows that they have that self-esteem, which is admirable. So when someone tells you no, you subconsciously, I think, are thinking, wow, what a self-actualized person. Right? I want I want more of that in my life. Like I had this great candidate to DITR film who I really like, and I'm going to definitely keep in touch with him. And I want him in my network because he wasn't able to do it. He said no very generously and kindly. And now I'm like, OK, I'll, it's fine. He's my friend. I'll be like, OK, Derek it's not this project, it's the next one, because you told me no. And there's something really interesting about the way, when you draw boundaries, how it's impressive to other people.
0: Well, and think about, you want an artist, be that a cinematographer, a writer, whoever, a director, who's confident enough to say, yes, I can do that. No, I cannot do that. I do not want you to be doing it for me, because then what creativity are you bringing? I want you, people want a writer to be confident and passionate about what they're doing because they've put down enough boundaries and know themselves well enough of what they can do and what they want so that they're all in, man, right? Nobody wants anybody to half-ass anything. So that's that confidence too, and why it's so um, sparkly, right? Well, Again, don't just say no to say no. I'm not saying that. Is it based, do you want it? Do you not want it? Just start there, I just,
2: right? Yeah, to- to reassure you, Lauren, I bet it was impressive to that person to a certain extent that you said no. You know,
1: I, I it's my how I act in the world and my narrative about myself are two totally different things. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like I sure said us. no quite a
1: lot.
0: I was going to say, right. Lauren has no problem saying no. I don't, I don't think that's actually
1: a problem. Right. I think There is a
0: problem. I just think it's us talking about.
1: Vulnerability Um, and like the the feelings about it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not worried. I'll still be friends. I'm still friends with that person. that that nothing happened. You know, I just I felt in the moment I was like I said no to this thing that I'm not right for, like, and it felt like the surge of power and that I was doing the right thing. There was never any doubt for me that I was not right for that. Thank you so much for asking, but you know, no. So it was the other thing
0: somebody said to me once that I just want to share today. I, and I think this has more to do with my childhood than my current life, but I was very afraid to say, put myself forward for my needs, which is saying, it can be saying no, it can be setting a boundary, that need, um, I exist thing, right? The priority might be me or I need. I was very, very afraid of being attacked. And by by saying, I need this. And my friend said to me, worth, does not equal right. And I was like, what? What, Wait, I literally could not put those words together in my brain. It was so threatening to my brain because in my childhood, if I wasn't right, I wasn't worthy. I had to prove everything. I had to show it, I had to be it. And if I could do that, then I was right, then I would get my need met. So my value became my ability to be right. That is not the way the world works. Worth does not equal right. What I was in and not understanding it is a power struggle. Because power struggles are based on who's right. So you can't follow that road. You have to keep it simple. It's not about proving anything. Limits are limits. Need is need.
1: I think that's so important, especially in this culture, you know, American culture, where uh, we have to prove it. You have to prove it. You have to have a job. You have to make a certain amount of money. You have to be productive. You have to prove that you have value as a citizen in order to have certain rights, um, to have privileges. And, you know, whether it's outside the family, just like how we are in school, you have to get good grades in order to move up. You have to keep meeting a metric. And being a writer is not that, you know, if I, I could write every day, uh, eight hours a day and keep writing scripts, that doesn't mean I'm going to be successful, right? The writing could deteriorate because I'm not taking care of myself, right? It, it's not about, it's a more holistic thing. You have to approach, like you said, Meg, your body, your brain, you have to get them into sync. And that is not how a lot of us are taught to be in the world. No, and, so, and that's
0: why artistry is so different from being a citizen of of the world. It's different, you're an artist. An artist, the, 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 the calculation is different. The value is there, period. I believe for all people, but now we're talking about writing and artistry. You don't have to prove your artistry and you don't have to tell anybody why you need something or you don't have to explain or prove why you have a limit. That's, they are. But when you can do it, when you can stand in your own passion and your value, again, maybe with tons of doubt, but it's just a feeling. Even your head could be screaming at you, but you know your passion limits around it. That actually enables respect. It actually enables safety. It actually enables freedom and authenticity. Uh, That is artistry. I am not saying any of this is easy, by the way. I'm I'm not the
1: Christian like I do this every day. I'm not. Simple oh, not. as not feeling like you have to justify what you're doing, right? Yes. Like when I took this time off this week, I felt like I had to justify to everyone. Tied to, you know, oh, I still did some writing. Oh, I'm, but why did I feel that way? No one in my family or in my life was, 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 yelling at me or disappointed, you know, it was just like, great, do that thing you need to do, right? I communicated. It actually
0: can make people, I'm not talking about that specifically, but that stuff can actually make other people really uncomfortable. And, you know, when I got older, my father said to me once, you know, can you please not put it all on me? Because it's really heavy. Like we were so trained to put Our needs. Well, what do you need dad? Well, what do you think? I'll prove it to you all that stuff. It just that deity that we made him became very heavy. Right? He didn't even want it. Can you please go take your own needs back, please? Right? It's as a mother, at some point, your child has to start making their own wants and needs. That is what is appropriate. Right? Their value is their value. Right? You know, standing up to my father was huge. I actually got a gray hair from it. but. it, it, it was part of my ev- evolution of, no, 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 I have values. I have a limit right now, right? And this is what I want. My father thought I was insane to go into writing. I didn't listen because <laughs> I couldn't listen, right? Because, you know, first I went to school for journalism because that made sense and you could get paid for that back then. But at some point he did respect. What he respected was that I said, but this is what I want and no, he really respected it, right? He almost didn't respect the bow, mm. even though he expected the bow. That's where it gets
1: all confusing.
0: <laughs> That's where it gets confusing, right? But, you know, the other thing I had to really, my mother taught me to um, be responsible for everybody else's emotional life and happiness. You, it, then how are you going to put a boundary down? How are you going to know what your needs are? How are you going to know what your wants are? And again, I'm talking about just take baby steps by letting those ideas f- filter down into your brain. You may not be able to do it yet, and that's okay. You know, I even find communicating boundaries. <laughs> what happens is I don't set boundaries for so long and then I erupt in a boundary. Like, oh my God, everybody has to get away from me. I am leaving. I'm getting to my car and I'm driving to a hotel because I need five days. Everybody get away from me. Because I have spent so that's not their fault. Why am I screaming at them? I didn't set any boundaries for them to respect. And so literally my family's looking at me like, what the hell is happening? Are you okay? Do you understand what I'm um, saying? Like, There's this
2: writer I love. Her name's Erin Falconer and she wrote a book called How to Get Shit Done. And she talks about how we literally train the people in our lives how they should treat us. So it's so easy for us to get mad at that person who sent an email at 11 pm and expects a response. but I guarantee for the last year you responded to that 11 pm email every time they did it. So you taught that person, hey, if you email me at this time, I'll get back to you and I bow down to you and you know and so we're typically we need to distinguish whether it's them or us um, and usually it's a complicated mix, right but the beauty of this mindset is that our agency becomes our own and we can actually train and teach the people in our lives how they should be treating us by drawing boundaries in that way and take some responsibility if they aren't treating us with that respect because maybe we were complicit in the way they're treating us.
0: Absolutely. Have to take your own actions into account because ultimately you're creating your life. Nobody's got a gun to your head saying you can't have a boundary. Nobody. The only person who's doing that is you, right? So I tend to, like. I really want to like, how do I have a boundary and not freak out? Like, how do I just have a calm, you know, this is what I need. And, you know, first of all, I have to forgive myself for that. I haven't done it. That's a big part of it. Because self loathing gets you nowhere. It gets, it's not any worth anything.
1: Yeah. And I have I'm really to, you know, tired. I'm just exhausted with feeling bad about myself. Yeah, no, I'm like I just it. hit a point right. where I'm like, I can't anymore. No. I, I just can't beat myself up and feel bad anymore. It doesn't get you anywhere. Ugh,
0: yeah. It doesn't. It's this Puritan idea that's coming down in our genes and our DNA, and it doesn't get you anywhere. You know, I was the other day, I was like, okay, I have to practice. Okay. My genes can't.
1: are not Puritan. Mine are like Jewish. That's a whole okay, other well, level of self loathing
0: That's all. <laughs> that's yeah. all. America guilt, I meant. But you know what? No, but I know it's not in your actual DNA, but no, the I'm DNA kidding. of America. Yes. That's what I mean more than genetic code of this society and culture that we're in. Um, You know, the other day I was like, I need to get more comfortable that people are upset or don't like me. How can I practice this? So I went 60 miles an hour on an LA freeway. And boy, people don't like you. (laughs) That makes me laugh so (laughs) hard. Fucking (laughs) flip you off. I'm going 55 or 60. Like it's totally safe. But boy, they come right up behind, like they don't. And I have to be like, just breathe and be like, this is who I am today. This isn't, I just did it as an experiment to see how can I tolerate them not liking me. People who I don't even know and I'm never going to see, by the way. I don't even know who they are. It was a really good exercise for me to see how good I am at that and how not good. I can't, I didn't do it very long because I actually don't like it. I really
1: don't like it. I had a, this is, I drew a boundary. So in my neighborhood, it's 25 miles an hour. You know, and I drive 25 miles an hour to take my kid to school, maybe a little over. You know, it's very residential. And this woman was behind me and she was riding my tail the whole time. And I was like, Too bad, lady. Like, I'm not gonna speed because you need to get somewhere way, way fast. And then when we were close to the school, she found an opportunity to like get in front of me. She was a mom at my school. So like we were going to the same place and boy, was she embarrassed when we got out of the car. And I was like, I was just driving my kid to school. You were the one trying to drive up over my car. But, you know, I've she been boys. both
0: of those people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have
0: truly been that person who's so busy. And why the hell is this person driving those? the are in my way? I have been that person too. Like I like... But that's what I'm saying. Like, I just did it as an experiment. Can I take that? Right. And the other thing. And you know you- what? I can
1: take it. I know I can you can take it.
0: I'm not worried about you at all. For that. <laughs> the other way to try to get your boundaries and not have, have them come out calmly versus a big is really think about the big picture. Something you've committed to, right? Something that you want and need. It's much easier to make a boundary, like I said, when you're passionate about it and you really want it. Um, And it's coming from a place of certainty, right? And then this is a little practical thing. Um, When I got married, of course, because of my father, I had problems making boundaries with my husband because I had been trained that I have to connect all the time, connect, 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 connect. But how do you connect and create a boundary at the same time? How do I do that? So my friend was like, okay, I want you to imagine a wall of golden light. So your love to him can still pass through there as you're making that boundary but there's a wall. There is a literal boundary that's being set down. It can be shimmery and beautiful. And like I said, pass energy back and forth. That doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm here for you, but right now I'm setting a boundary down. And that helps. Sometimes I think about that. I don't do that at work because at work you might just have to put a steel boundary up and be like boundary, boom. but you know, we're imaginative people. Use your imagination. What does your boundary look like today? Is it all kind of spotted and got giant holes in it? <laughs> right, and it's not really a boundary, right? If that helps you in your imagination, try to think about what it looks like. Um, you know, another another reason when I got up, I was trying to set a boundary, this friend said to me, I said, oh, I just, I just every time I want to set a boundary, I feel all wiggly inside. And she said, um well, ask yourself what superstition you hold about yourself. And I was like, what? She was like, well, you're holding a superstition about yourself.
1: So I want you to know that everyone's listening is so jealous of you having this group of wise, compassionate, gentle, loving friends. Everyone you've mentioned is like, so tuned into you and how to say just the magic thing. It just, no, the magic it's been moment. years of my life that I wrote stuff down. I have a no, book, but, I write you no, down. But, no, but these, all these people that you have in your not like today, but like over the course of your life, it's like I'm feeling like I want to know all these people too. Who a lot of it's the
0: same person, and I will try to get her on the show. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We'll try to get anyway, her Anyway, I show. just
1: like saying, I feel a yearning. And so I bet everyone on the show is like, how do I have these people who. Gently nudge and challenge just the right moment and just the way I. I need- have a whole book full of these
0: that I go back to every once in a while to remind myself because I forget. Like here's another one. Ready? Commitment is the beginning of flow. Let's put that on a T-shirt. Yes, that one is so true. Uh, Commitment uh, is yeah. the beginning of flow. Get on these writing stuff we do in the morning wherever you know you can because that's what I love about it. Right. I love that Hannah's there committed and Richard's there committed and Susanna and they're they're committed and their commitment helps me and we all jump into flow together or I wade in or I tromp around. But um, I just love that, that that commitment, that boundary is how you get the flow. It's the river's, it's the river's sides, right? And you know, ultimately to do this for a living, you have to achieve some level of mastery. And mastery requires boundaries. It just does. Because mastery isn't about judgment. It's patient, but it's
1: disciplined,
0: right? So, it's you know, and mastery is the opposite of perfectionism.
1: Which is hard for me to understand. Because mastery feels like it should be perfectionism. You know, the practice makes perfect, which I try to teach my daughter. There's no such thing as perfect. And practice just makes moving forward, you know, but, and I can say that to her, but when I say it to myself, I'm like, no, mastery is perfection. (laughs) So it's such a, like the story I'm telling myself and I'm trying to break these stories to pass them down to my daughter, other writers. Mastery is the antidote to perfection.
0: True mastery. I mean, so think about that. Next time you are thinking about your writing career and that, or anything you want to master, Does this choice in front of you further your quest in that mastery or not? And get really specific about that mastery, right? Like if it's just writing, that's kind of big, right? What kind of writing, where do you you know, that's we're back to the beacon, the passion, where are you going? What road are you on today? And does this for like my passion project that I think nobody will buy but it does further what i love and i'm so happy writing it that i know it's creating mastery in me that i need i just know it because i i so love it i freaking love it i don't and even care if nobody else loves
1: it i love it it's brilliant
0: that's it's, i want you all to love something so much that even if it's all bumpy wobbly snarled and ugly it doesn't matter you love it you just love it you, you want to work so hard towards it you want to gain mastery to get to it so that and then who cares what happens when you put it out there in the world and i promise you even if nobody buys it it's gonna be a great sample because your love i'm gonna feel it i'm gonna feel it in there you know i just i just i guess so much of this podcast is um is loving yourself <laughs> treating yourself like your beloved right <laughs> the face i just made <laughs> right But it is, I know, it's so funny. It's like, ooh, that's so, like, what are you talking about? Like, of course you should love yourself. You should love yourself as much as, and it's so hard for people to do. So just think of yourself as a kid or think of somebody you do love. And can you give yourself that energy? Because if you can't, how are you ever going to put up boundaries? How are you ever going to put up boundaries if you don't love yourself as much as somebody else that you love? And then the last thing I want to say is, you know, sometimes a boundary is wakes another, your boundary wakes the other person up. There's this great story. I don't remember what book it's in and I'm pretty sure it's Marianne Williams. I don't remember which book I was reading and I literally read this probably 25 years ago, but I have remembered it forever because it's such a great image. She was on her way and I'm pretty sure it's Marianne Williams, I don't remember. This woman is on her way to meet a yogi in India, some famous guru dude, right? And on the way, I think this is yeah. Sharon
2: Salzberg. Sorry, I think- is it Sharon Salzberg? Yes. Okay, it's good. Salzberg. Let's give yeah. credit. Yeah. And
0: we and if anybody can find the book, it's in. Please let us know because we should you know, sell some. Books I here think Loving
2: Kindness. I believe is it Loving
0: Kindness. Oh, that's I such believe. a good book.
2: It's such a good book. Yes.
0: <gasps> Sharon Salzberg, Loving Kindness, so good. Yes. Um, she's about. She gets in her. I believe it was a rickshaw or some form of, uh, form of transportation, and a mugger grabs her bag, and. She grabs her bag and they're doing that push and pull thing, right? And she gets her bag and they go and, and, and goes forward and she goes to her guru and she's like, what should I have done? What is the loving kindness thing to have done? Because this guy was stealing my bag and he said, oh, you should have picked, picked up your stick and hit that guy right over the head because that's what he needed to wake up. You being nice and not having boundaries is not helping anybody else. It's not really not. It's just continuing codependency or it's continuing them not waking up. Sometimes your no is the best thing for that other person.
1: Well, it gives them the opportunity, right? Like when we we talk about beating your characters up. Right. What's the wake up call? What's the thing that changes their world? Now, a lot of times real people aren't going to respond in the way that, you know, to move on their journey, people can right? be
0: determined to be blind and stay asleep. That's yes. not your. That's not your business. Their again, right. their
1: emotional reaction is their business. Right, but with a character, you beat them over the head with a stick. It gives them an opportunity to answer the call or not.
0: Or to- even in Act Two, you're beating yes. the crap out of them because you're waking them up. I went left or right, which way, which way I'm in this relationship. How is that working? We're getting closer. Ouch, ouch. You know, like that (laughs) is, that's why conflict exists in your writing. So don't try not to shy away from the conflict because then you're not nice or they won't like you or that's not your responsibility. Them liking you, your responsibility is your passion, your fire and what is coming up today. So those are just some thoughts that I had on boundaries. Um, I, I know we've gone over. Should we does anybody else have anything to say? And I took up I I I know I took up a little bit of that space. Does
1: anybody else have anything to say? I just want to acknowledge uh how great all of your everything you just said was amazing and sort of eye-opening and but uh it's just, all of, it's still really hard and it's still a struggle. It's not like, oh yeah, it's not it's, like I'm doing this every day easily. <laughs> Come on, And it's, it's like anything it's, you have to make a habit of it. But I think the hardest thing is to figure out what you do want and what you do need and what that boundary might be. It's that investigation into your lava once again, right? What is it that I need here? And, uh, how to get it. you don't
0: have to do it in like a giant dramatic way
1: right just do
0: it if you're if you have issues with boundaries and blah blah just do a small one just do a tiny one just see how it goes do make them bigger and bigger you know it, it, the boundary might be with yourself first like for me getting up at six to do these sprints was a beautiful boundary I was putting it for myself for that part of me that wants to write this thing yeah which I was ignoring. Right, because I'm afraid of it. That I was honoring that by saying to this other part of me that wants to sleep, <laughs> right? No, we're going to get up and you're going to do this and you're going to. And, and again, I can't do it every morning because I'm too uh, exhausted, but I'm doing it enough. I'm doing it enough.
1: Yeah. And I think the other side of it is like when I'm working on something and I'm so passionate, and I think a lot of us have to, you get so into it that it's hard to turn off when it's time right. to turn off. Like to go be with friends or your family or be engaged in something else because part of our writer brains are always turning on this stuff, always clicking. My daughter says, where are you right now? Cause I'm just staring off into space. Like when we're walking or doing something because she can see me float away, right? I've started to think about something. So it's work then to turn that off because I'm probably not gonna solve it while I'm taking a walk with her, right? Uh, And just trust that it will keep churning in my brain and that I need to disconnect from it. That is the hardest part that that boundary is so important. Like I need that rest time, that mental rest, because the impulse is keep working, keep banging until I push myself to this exhausted place where I can't function, right? That's not the goal. And yes, I am in therapy and I have a psychiatrist if anyone's worried about me, so I'm fine. (laughs) But um. But uh, it, it's, that is such an important boundary because I think as artists, we, there's this idea that we are, you know and we are, we're always thinking, we're always tell, telling stories and churning and fixing problems. And who knows when that idea might come up that we untie that knot, but being able to take a break is that rest is so vital so that when we do come back to that knot, we have a different way. Our fingers are stronger, right? To yeah, that is a good, wearing good, them out.
0: Yeah, it's another good form of boundary.
1: Yeah. Rest, and that, rest. I think, so it's all those things, right? It's like the working ourselves into the ground and then like giving us the space to work and think and process. So it's because there is so much joy in the creative process. And I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that it's not, it, it's work and it's hard, but. It's magic, you know, and those two things, it's hard to, it's hard to embrace that what we're doing is magic in a way, you know, that we're creating whole universes of um, the world around us uh, from inside And it takes, it's tiring.
0: It's tiring on your brain. It's tiring. You got to rest it for sure. Absolutely.
2: One yes. thing I'll just super quickly say too, I think boundaries are a really interesting way to explore your characters as well. Meg, yes. this is just especially top of mind for me because- one of the very specific conversations we had about one of my characters was the jerk. She actually had too many boundaries up, you know, like I feel like we needed, if you're having trouble understanding your characters, start asking questions about where they would and wouldn't be drawing boundaries in their own life. And I think it will inform a lot of what their goals are. I mean, a lot of times taking agency can actually mean drawing boundaries. Like sometimes those are the choices your characters need to make um, as they become conscious in your, in your film or your, Pilot or whatever you're writing, so it's just another way. Where are they drawing
0: inappropriate boundaries as a way to protect themselves? Yep. Right. Where are they like? I don't participate in that, and I don't do that because that is chaos, and I am not doing that. No. Mm -hmm. So there's a other flip side to this coin, right? Where, and by the way, because if you've said yes to something, there's no to something. So. Uh, some people can overdo with boundary because they really lack trust, right? That that something has been so deeply traumatized or broken that they don't trust out there. So they have, you know, layers of boundary, a barrier to get to them, a barrier. Right? Yeah,
2: that's well said. Yeah, barriers versus boundaries. That's a really, I think, beautifully articulated way to separate what's productive and what's not for us.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Um, so thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't, please join our Facebook group. There's really fun, fun, great stuff happening on there. And Lauren and I and Jeff are jumping on uh, and answering questions and having great, there's some great discussions going on in there. I love it.
1: And remember, you are not alone and keep writing.
2: Before we get out of here, I wanted to make sure to read some of your amazing reviews on air. I promise we read all of your reviews. We love all of your reviews. And quickly, just to explain, uh, when you all review the show on Apple Podcasts, not only does it mean so much to Meglorian and I and help us kind of stay inspired and motivated to keep doing the show, but actually helps our show find more and more people It increases our visibility on Apple Podcasts. And we've slowly been kind of climbing up on the charts because of all these amazing reviews. And you know, when you tell a friend about the show, you know, in your writer's group or anyone who's a creative, it really helps us. So I'm gonna read a couple now and hopefully we can catch up uh, to all these reviews so you can each hear your stuff read on air. I'm gonna start with Lucy Vine who said, Lori and Meg and Jeff talk candidly about all things screenwriting, not simply the mechanics of it, but they address the drive within us to get our story to the paper. The show is an open, honest breath of fresh air, and I look forward to it every week. Lucy, thank you so much. Um, Love that review. Up next, we have Jay Lu who says, you know that friend who gets you in your screenwriting dreams and angst, and you can't wait to hang out with them because you can both just relax and get into sharing advice and support and hugs? That's the feeling I get listening to this podcast. Megan Lorian brings so much wisdom and support and knowledge about the business and craft that not only do I gain greater insight into the process and pitfalls, but I feel them standing with me, encouraging me to keep going no matter the ups and downs. Oh, I love that review. I love the idea that our show can kind of be a hug for you guys. You know, supportive sort of life coach motivation to keep writing. Um, I need it too. You know, that's why not only do I... Obviously, produce the show, but I make sure to listen to it because it also keeps me going. All right. Finally, Kara Green thirty-seven says, "Step into the lava. My spirit and my writing are endlessly grateful for this podcast. Megan Lorian have that rare ability to lead from their hearts and their heads simultaneously, which leads to a listen every week that excites the mind and feeds the soul. Ooh, love that writing. Their vulnerability about the truth of working as a screenwriter and their transparency about the ups and downs is both grounding and inspiring." The podcast drops on Sundays, but I save it for my Monday morning walk because it helps me flush out my self-sabotaging toxins and fuel up on the good stuff for the week of writing ahead. Thanks, Meg and Lorian. Kara, thank you. Uh, We love that review. And um, again, I'm going to start making sure that these reviews get read on air just so we can make sure we're catching up. Um, But thank you so much to those who reviewed the show. If you haven't yet, please do. Uh, Those five stars in that review really help us. And if you haven't yet, join the Facebook group. Um, The Facebook group is full of our writing community. And, you know, you can uh, get inspiration there, have your question answered, and find pretty much any question you might have to anything involving your writing journey. And um, if you haven't yet, you can join our Slack. Um, That's kind of where the writing sprints that Meg talked about on today's show are happening. And um, just really cool stuff. It's been helpful for not only all of you, but to us as well. Um, In the meantime, thank you for tuning into the show. Keep writing and happy Sunday.